Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We were set apart for ministry in an atmosphere of revival. And, and I use that word generally. Revival is often um, in people's hearts. People say revival is this or it's that or it's not this. I remember in, in 1993 when we stepped into a move of God, the, the, the pastors that we had around them, the, the different men of God that we knew, were all having this debate of whether it was a revival or not. And I was like, I don't care. God's moving. I don't care what you call it, whether it meets the grade or not. It's kind of like God's moving, but they're deciding whether it's enough of God to call it a revival. It's like, are you, are you, are you bonkers? God's moving. And, and why does it have to be all these other things that you've decided it needs to be before you can qualify it? So it's like getting the official stamp of repro- approval. The church approves of this move of God. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, we, so we just, we just put up our hands and went, I'm going full into this. And, and, and God touched our lives and, and, and fully equipped us. And, and that equipping um, birthed an incredible move of God. It sent us, catapulted us to Scotland in a direction that we hadn't anticipated. And, and that's the thing with when God moves, that, that he catapults you in directions that you, you don't expect. It wasn't what you had anticipated, but it was what was in your heart. And so we are believing for a move of the Spirit of God. And, and, and I've noticed this, that over the, over the generations that God moves, and as, as the Spirit of God moves, so people's hearts, they rise toward the call of God, and, and, and the church begins to be empowered and equipped. And, and then there is a settling season. Uh, and in that settling season, there is actually, um, with the settling comes greater momentum of growth, yet a slightly less visible empowerment of power. Does that, I'm not sure I said that well enough, but there's a, when you get a settling after a move of God, you get greater growth in the house, but you get less demonstration of power that is obvious. But but what happens after that is that there must then come another season of power that you might get another time of settling, which causes more growth. And the church needs an empowerment. And empowerment causes growth, but it, the, the gro- what it causes is a growth within the house of God. It causes a growth within the heart of people. It causes a hunger that people drawn into and they grow. But then what happens is that when they begin to move in the things of God, they grow up in the spirit. So you begin to see more people's lives changed. But people must come, generation people must come into the wave of God's supernatural power. People must know the life and the supernatural power of God. They must know that the heart of every move of God is to move with great demonstration of power. They must know what it is to hunger for the things of the Spirit of God. If we don't carry the supernatural life, the power of God, then we don't carry the fullness of who we're called to be. 
And I believe that 2018 is going to be a year where the Spirit of God begins to move in so, woo, that was good. As begins, the Spirit of God begins to move in a, in a, in a fresh demonstration of His power, not seen in moves before. We have to understand that every time God does something new, that he, as he begins to do something new, there comes a, there comes, it's like a shock wave. This is God. I, re, I remember back in 93, I remember just stepping into this room that was packed full of people and just the, the spirit of God was in the meeting and it was so powerful. My heart had been crying out for God to do something for, for quite some, some years and, and we stepped into it. And as we stepped into it, the Holy Spirit hit me. I was slain on the floor. I'm just crying out for God. I'm beginning to laugh. And, and the Holy Spirit did something so powerful. And, and that was then, by the way. That was then. The mistake of the church is trying to replicate what was then. Because it's not the manifestation that's relevant. It's what God does in the heart. But the only way we can describe what God does in the heart is by defining what the manifestations were. We, we said, what happened? Well, we fell on the floor and we laughed a lot. We really laughed a lot. We got completely drunk. I, 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 the, I remember the Baptist pastor uh, in a town called Battle, which is where the Battle of Hastings happened, right? And uh, so they, uh, and the Baptist pastor there got so <laughs> taken out by the Holy Spirit. I remember him being carried home from one of the meetings, the inter-church meetings, and they carried him home completely drunk. He was drunk for three weeks. He couldn't even drive the kids to school. (laughs) What's that all about? That was God moving in the church with great power. And after power came a settling, and in the settling of every, all the power, the seed becomes comes up, and what comes out after that is extraordinary growth. So we look, see, we have to understand the fullness of it. It's not just that we need an experience of the Holy Spirit. We need the outpouring of God to sow new seeds into our heart that we may become more fruitful for eternity. You've got to have a move of the Holy Spirit. You've got a hunger for the things of the Holy Spirit. And the tonight, this morning, I, I, I want to speak about a 360 degree revolution. I, 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 um, I haven't, uh, over Christmas and New Year, what we normally do is normally plan our series in advance. And I sit down with, with the core team and, and we go. And I, I normally end up going to Chaz. This is the, this is the series. This is what I want you what I want to, and Chaz will do all the, a lot of the legwork for me. He, he kind of puts the structure of everything that I've spoken in vision together and gives it to me in a form that everyone else can understand because I get all excited with my vision and I speak a vision, but, but you've got to make sense of it, right? And, and Chaz is a genius in, in terms of just putting structure to visionary things. And so I give it to him and, uh, and he comes back and it's got points one, two, three, four, five. And it's got, it's got yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. And then I can give it to other people and they know what I'm talking about. And uh, so, but, uh, but we haven't done that because we've done Christmas and New Year and, and we've, everyone's been going off in different directions. Cheryl and I were in Inverness on Thursday, spending time with Pastors Andrew and Katrina. Uh, just having, they send their love, by the way, and, and they're just having an incredible move of God uh, up in, uh, in Thurso. And they're just really, we're just going to believe God that they're able to buy a building this year. 
Uh, that's what their heart is. They're going to believe God to buy a building this year. Uh, and I really believe that that's going to happen. So, um, so we were spending time with them. But I really believe that God wants a 360 degree revolution. And what I mean by that is that we set out in our vision in November for the 2018 year we set out a vision that one of the things we declared was that we are a presence culture church. Mm-hmm. Presence culture. That everything changes with the presence of God. Yeah. You, live our, you live your life different with God's presence yeah. than you do without him. Yeah. If, if, if you know he's in the room, your behavior changes. Mm-hmm. I spoke about the difference between when I was a child at school... There, was a, there were two laws in operation, the law of the pupil and the law of the teacher. And when the teacher wasn't in the class, we behaved differently. <laughs> and we remember those, standing on the desk, pinging the elastic bands, uh, hiding people's shoes, uh, putting them in places they couldn't get them, all of that kind of stuff. The teacher walks in and everybody jumps on the floor. The, the last one down is the one that got detention, so you attempt early. And, and, and so you, it would be because the, when the teacher entered, you, you live by the teacher's rules. Now, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, but he's also our friend. He's our comforter. Uh, he is the one who comes and speaks life into us. But when he's here, we live differently. And so we, I, I want us to understand that we must be a presence cultured church, but we must be a church that ministers to the congregation, that we are a ministry church. Our vision is to raise, my vision is to raise a whole congregation of ministers, not just pastors who minister. Yeah. A whole congregation. Now, this is, the, 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 there's a difference between that and leadership because leadership is relevant to many people but not all people and it's relevant to many people some of the time, not all of the time because that's the nature of leadership. You have leadership, it, you can't do, even as senior leaders, when you're always a leader, you can't lead all the time because if you do, you'll you're fall over and wear yourself out. It would be like always driving a car and never stopping it. Eventually, it's going to break down, right? And, and so that's one of the reasons why Sharon and I have to take time out, go to conferences, spend time with other places, because we just need to stop, right? So leadership is not all the time. But ministry is the flowing of your heart that comes out all the time. For instance, Cheryl and I are parents, but we're parents all the time. And we will be until the day we die because we will always be parents. When you're a mum and a dad, you're always a mum and a dad. That's the thing that changes with your life. (laughs) It's never the same thereafter. You, you, you never, it's never just you two, is it? The, the, all the couples remember before you had children and you would go off to Carluccio's for a, a meal and you don't do it anymore because you've got little ones and, and because your life changes, right? And so, and so it is with ministry that I believe in raising a whole congregation that just knows how to minister to one another, that there is that general care and that care and that love and that flow that comes out of your heart. But here's the thing, a 360 revolution has to take place for us to be able to be ministers because if we are ministering but we haven't done preparation, 
what comes out is not what our heart intended. Because preparation is everything. When I used to make furniture, I used to be a cabinet maker and everything you made, the I would spend a lot of time, my speciality was the finishing. And so the furniture would come to the finishing department and my brothers would have made the furniture and it came into my department and I had to make sure it went out ready for the customer. And so preparation was everything. Before it went into the polish shop, which is, um, I often worked in there as well, and, but it was, um, it was all about the preparation. It was all about the, the sanding down. And uh, with pine furniture, when you're making it, you can often pick up little bruises and things. And so one of the things we would do is just put boiling water over the whole thing, let it dry out, raise all the grain, bring all the bruises out, and then we'd sand it down. And we would sand it, and we would sand it, and we would sand it, and we would sand it. And we would keep sanding until it was perfectly smooth. And then the pre- so the preparation, see, we'd put almost as much time in the preparation we would in the making. Because here's what we discovered. Any bruise, any mark that's there gets amplified once you start polishing it. So in other words, the wrinkles that we have in our own life, if we try and minister with those, they become amplified, not covered up. And the old here, here's the thing about personality, right? When you're young, I'm going to get to the Bible in a minute, by the way. (laughs) I can see some people, (laughs) he hasn't read the Bible yet. (laughs) When you're young, when you're young, there are personality, everyone's going, oh, they're so lovely, they're young, uh, but they've got this, you you notice things about them. Here's the thing, right? If you don't deal with your issues when when you're young, when you get to middle age, those issues will come back and bite you. Yeah. All of us who've gotten to that age have discovered the things that we didn't deal with. Mm. They're the things that come back to bite us. Yeah. And, and we all have them, right? So it's not like you know, we all have issues that come back and you go, I can't believe this is affected. Well, it, what it is, is that, w- that that small thing that was then has now had a lifetime b- built on top of it. And the more you put build on top of it, the wrinkle becomes more obvious. And so after 30, 40 years of that thing that you never dealt with has now become something very big. But the root of it is under a lifetime of stuff built on top becomes a lot more difficult to deal with. So I want to speak about a 360 revolution of getting our heart prepared. And the Holy Spirit brought me into this place. And I started with asking this question, what would happen to our life if the Holy Spirit was always there? What would happen to your day if you were aware of the Spirit of God? When Jesus was walking through the crowd and he's walking through and the disciples are crowding around him and the woman with the issue of blood, he, she, he, she grabbed through she, and she grabbed the cloak of Jesus and Jesus went power just went out of me he was so aware of the presence of God that even in the hustle and bustle of 
every day, he was aware when the power of God went through in ministering to somebody else. He was aware of his, the presence of God. He carried that presence. What would it be like if we were able to just learn to walk with the presence of God so much so that we're aware of the Holy Spirit pouring in and pouring out? What would that be? That's, that's a really weird thought, right? Because we spend most of our life not aware of the Spirit of God and we have to set special moments where we might just get that five minutes. We get a moment. I'm going to get a moment with the Holy Spirit. But supposing we created a revolution where we just were far more naturally aware of his presence. What would happen to the church? What would happen to their neighbours that bump into us? Genesis chapter 1, verse (laughs) 5. This is going to confuse you. God called the light day and the darkness he called night so the evening and the morning were the first day I I want to I want to put a challenge into your heart that to walk with the Holy Spirit we got to set our day right first that we spend a lot of our time thinking well if I if I spend time praying if I get in the if I get my confession right, if I get the right kind of prayer, if I get the prayer of Jabez, that's a good prayer. I'll work on that one. If I get, if I get this prayer and I get this momentum of doing all these things, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. But we know by experience that it's very difficult to maintain those things. I believe that the greatest challenge is that we don't set up our day right. And the reason we don't set up our day right is that day doesn't start in the morning. It starts in the evening. Genesis 1 verse 5. Let me read it to you again. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So day started at sunset. And finished at sunset. It doesn't start at sunrise. It starts at sunset. Sabbath day starts on Friday at sunset. And starts at and finishes on Saturday at sunset. Are you with me? The day in the Bible begins and the evening and the reason for that is that we have to understand that that God wants us to walk into his rest first says in Hebrews chapter 4 Hebrews chapter 4 let me read to you this is either from verse 1 or verse 4. I, I think it might be verse 4. I didn't copy and paste this very well. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains, I think this is verse 1, and is freely offered today, let us fear in case any one of you may seem to come short of reaching it or think he has come too late. This is the Amplified by the book, by the way. Verse 9. So there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For the one who has once entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and the pain of his human labours. Just as God rested from those labours uniquely his own. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God to know and experience for ourselves so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience of those who died in the wilderness. We have to understand that first... The first thing that you have to know when you come to Jesus Christ is that you enter into rest. God created the day to start with rest. That you are now prepared to go with God. Your day starts in the presence of God. What would happen if at night time, one of the things that Sean and I do at night, the last thing that we do at night is that we pray and we pray for our family and we pray for everyone in the family and we just set, we set forth not our previous day. We're thankful for what God has done, but we're setting forth the day that is coming and then we sleep. And then we sleep. Why? Because we're now resting in the rest that God has given us because we are being prepared for the things that he's calling us to do. Your day, your day must start with godly rest. Some of you are struggling with your sleep patterns. Many people struggle with sleep patterns. This is not a word of knowledge, by the way. This is just plain experience. (laughs) Many people struggle with rest. Let me, let me... Let me tell you something about sleeping and sleeping well. Start making a commitment to give it to God before you close your eyes. Give your day to the Lord. I'm telling you, there are people who've come off medication because they couldn't sleep just because they just started to pray and just say, Lord, I thank you for the day that is coming. I give you my day. And I thank you, Lord. And you commit everything that is of your life in your day. And why am I saying this? It's because I want you to be effective ministers. But unless you've got this sorted out, you've got nothing left within you to minister. We're going to start our day by ministering. It says in, it says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 18, it says, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified, but in the, in the New King James and in many other translations, it uses the word day with a capital letter. This is the, oh, this is the New King. Let's just read this. 2 Timothy 1.18. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. It's a capital day because that day is the Lord. It's talking, the day is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the Sabbath day. I am the Sabbath rest. I am the day of the Lord. And so you know very well how many ways he ministered to me in Ephesus. So Paul is saying that the Lord ministered to him because he rested in the day who is Jesus Christ. And so we have to set a rhythm of our day, starting at night, that our rest is in God. Your sleep, your dreams, your hopes are set in Christ first. That your day begins to walk in a different process. Is that all right? I only have got, I've got one more point. Colossians chapter 3. 
and verse 1. You see, what happens is that once you've set your day, then you can set your mind. Very difficult to set your mind when your day isn't set. Very difficult. We were listening to a song on the way into church this morning. Um, I can't remember the artist. Um, Yeah, her. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, she's singing this song and she's going, Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. Right? Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. And I said to Cheryl, and I'm driving along and it's really affecting me because I'm thinking to myself, Is she really listening, right? Because I suddenly became aware how much we don't listen. That statement said, saying I'm listening, I'm thinking to myself, bet you're not. (laughs) Because what I've noticed is that the more you ask for help, the less you're listening. And the reason for that is that the only reason why you're asking for help is because your life has gone into a point of turmoil and your world has started to shut down. The person who's listening, who listens the most, is the person who doesn't have any issues. Far more receptive. (laughs) I can see some of you, that can't be right. (laughs) Trust me, I've sat in a counselling room. (laughs) And and I can tell you, the person who comes with the biggest problems is the one who's who's listening the least. And that's true for all of us. I know... That when I've got major problems, I'm going, God, speak to me. But I've already discounted all sorts of ways in which he can speak to me because I've decided those things don't work. So I'm going, speak to me. But I'm going, but not like that, 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 and that, and that. (laughs) I don't know how else you're going to speak to me. You're going to have to speak to me somehow. (laughs) And then what you get is silence. (laughs) And then you go, why aren't you speaking to me? It's mind. It's the shift of the mind. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then when you were raised, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Set your mind on things above. When we go to sleep at night, set your mind on God's purposes for your life. The greatest tragedy of 21st century life is that our mind has such vivid things pulling at it. Television, mobile phones, everything is just vividly grabbing your attention. And so your mind is very quickly becomes, concentration levels are just so short here. I've noticed that when I'm in places like India, concentration levels of just village people incredibly, like they can just concentrate for hours because their mind hasn't been pulled that this way, that way, this way, that way. Look at this, look at this. Oh, look at that. It's a special offer. <laughs> it's like jumping the whole time. 
set your mind on things above. And how do we set our mind on things above? We have to understand that. Let me read to you one more verse. Isaiah 26 verse 3 does this beautifully. And I'm going to read it from the New King James and the Amplified. And I'm going to finish with this. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The Amplified says this. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast. That is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. What the prophet is saying, what Isaiah is saying is that to focus on God, he said, where it says whose mind is stayed on you, that word stayed literally means to see yourself, see your physical form, see your physical self in him. See, what happens when we think about, I've got to think about God, we think of very ethereal things, very sort of, got to think of something lovely. Whatever thing is lovely. We know that verse in Philippians. Whatever thing is lovely, whatever thing is is true. And you're trying to think of lovely things. It's very ethereal. It's just very kind of, it's there. But to focus your mind, see this shape, your physical form in the hand of God see yourself in him then you're able to trust your trust is based because you've discovered how you can rest in his presence now listen when I was a child One of the visions I used to get, and God used to sort of meet with me, and I didn't realize it was God at the time, of course. It was just, it takes later on for you to work these things out. But I used to see myself standing next to the Father with Jesus. And I used to see God speaking to people. But I wasn't in the congregation, I was just with Jesus. And, he, and it, uh, I used to like the thought that I, I'd see it and be like, wow. But then you can't tell anyone that. I can only tell you now because I was a child and it was a long time ago. But if I was a child, I'd say that. Don't be a proud, arrogant. Don't be foolish. Who do you think you are? But it's no different to the disciples saying, when you get to glory, can I sit with you? It wasn't, I mean, Jesus said, look, you, you don't know what you're asking for but really what my heart was going I was my mind was setting my heart to just be with him it's a different see that positioning set me up to believe for everything because I was no longer the one being spoken to you must do this you must do that I was the one who was in partnership with the father with the son I I, I saw myself in partnership just receiving from him and doing what I was being commissioned to just do 
And, and the Bible declares that we are ministers of His grace. We're not the one being told what to do. We're the one who have been given a commission to do. It changes when you rest in Him. You put your mind in His presence. It changes the attitude for which you focus your life. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.